You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. We've been in this series called Made for This, and so far we've been sharing elements, things that we cannot live without, things that we are made for. And we've shared three things so far, and this is not an exhaustive list. It's not, these are not the only things that you are made for that you can't live without. But we shared these things that if you go even one day without them, you will feel it. You'll, your life will lose its, its sense of meaning. And if you live without these things, your life will feel shallow and hollow, and you'll be looking for meaning for your life. And the first thing that you can't live without that we shared is the promise. Now, if you were to live without the promise of God, if you were to live without God's purpose for your life, the thing that you were designed to do, the thing that you were designed for, the talents that you have, you might be a successful person. You may become someone who is successful in your studies, in your academics, successful in your career, but you will have a sense of Emptiness on the inside. And some of you have been there. You have been in a position in your life where things worked out for you. You, You've been in a place in your life where you got good breaks, you got promotion, and it didn't take much for you to look around to the right and the left. And if you were to compare your life to your peers, you could very quickly realize that you've been blessed. That things have happened for you in a good way. But you wonder, if I have so much, why do I lack? If I have so much, why do I lack? It's probably because you have not plugged in or enabled God's promise or his purpose for your life. That's what happened to Abraham. And we highlighted Abraham here before. Abraham Abraham was a man who had everything. And he felt like he had nothing. If you were to live without freedom, freedom, not Just physical freedom, not just incarceration, physical incarceration, but freedom in your mind, in your thinking, in your thoughts. It would be hard for you to become everything that you were made to be. It would be very difficult for you to engage life with all that you have. Because your mind would hit its ceiling and it would be a low ceiling. And some of you have been there too. Maybe it was something somebody said or something somebody did in the past that caused your thinking, that caused your mind to stop believing. You don't have that capacity, that elasticity in your belief system to reach out further. And when that happens, it's difficult for us to move forward. Freedom is a necessity. Freedom is something that we were made for, and it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Freedom is Very important. And if you were to live without vision, without the ability to see beyond your present situation, you would get stuck. And that's that's a major problem, especially if you're in the middle of a struggle, in the middle of a battle, in the middle of a tough circumstance. If you can't raise your eyes and look beyond and see your Savior and see the salvation during that situation and see your life beyond that present circumstance, it's difficult for you to be able to move on. You get stuck. And some of you here, some parts of your life, you, it's almost as if 
The storm is past. The storm is gone. But you're left with the scars and the wounds. You've left with the behaviors and the things that you clung to during that, that situation. And you don't know how to move on. What you need is vision. Scripture says that without vision, the people perish. There's a passage actually in Proverbs 29, 18, where it says that. It says this, where, where there's no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keep, he keeps the law. Now, prophetic vision is not only the ability to see, but it's the ability to see as it should be. And prophetic vision can take you beyond your present circumstance. Prophetic vision can change everything. Prophetic vision is not only the ability to lift your heads, but is the ability to see your life not as it is, but as God sees it. Not as it, not as it. not as it is, but as God designed you to be. It's the ability to look at your life as it should be. Prophetic vision, vision can change everything. It was prophetic vision that encouraged Jesus to do what he did. When he was hanging on the cross, he had a prophetic vision for your life, for humanity, for mankind. And his prophetic vision is that every eye would see and every mind would understand that Jesus, that God loves them. And he had you in his mind, in his heart. Prophetic vision can change everything, and we need that. And you might be asking here, how do I engage that? How do I bring those things into my life? How do I engage the promise of God? How do I live in the promise? How do I live with freedom? Freedom from uh, thinking and, and limitations and freedom from lack of belief. How do I engage prophetic vision in my life so that I can see my life as it should be? And I want to share with you, there's this one thing that if, if you look in the scriptures, from cover to cover, it exists in every single book of scripture. It exists in every single chapter and story told. Whether it's directly referred to or is inferred, implied. From Cain and Abel to Revelation, it is intertwined. It is woven into the tapestry that connects mankind and God. And this thing is worship. It's worship. And the reality of worship is seen in Scripture. And I mean reality. I don't mean the notion, the idea, the concept, the theory of worship. The reality of worship is seen in Scripture. Now, worship is in Scriptures not because the Bible is a religious book. Not because of Judaism, not because of Christianity, not because this is a spiritual thing. Worship is in scriptures because it's a people thing. It's a human thing. Every single person you know, every single person you've met, every single person that has ever lived has this capacity within them. And it is a capacity. For as far as we can record in history, where there has been record of human activity, there has been record of worship. People have worshipped for as far as we can research. Because it's a part of who we are. It's part of our making. And this ability, this capacity that we have, needs an object. It needs, it's an activity. You engage it by the way of an activity. But you need something. You need an object. And that's where things can get messy. Because there are three main elements that I want to list today that we tend to worship. People tend to worship three categories, if you want to say that. 
The first is that it's God. People worship God. The second is creation. People, animals, universe, moon, stars, the heavenly hosts. And the third category that we tend to worship is ideas. This is concepts, things that we come up with, uh, the fruit of our minds. Now, none of these things are bad in themselves, if you think about it. None of these things that I just listed are bad. They are good. They can be good. Ideas can be amazing and great. Ideas have gotten us this far, right? People can be good. They have the ability to be good. And God is good. But when we change the order of things, when we exalt something higher than it should be, that's when things get messy. And because we have the ability to worship literally anything. We can worship anything. Our capacity can be applied toward anything. I want to read a scripture found in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 4, verses 15 through 20, and then we're going to end with verse 24. This is Moses telling the people of Israel in the desert. He said, Therefore, watch yourselves very carefully, since you saw no form on the day that the Lord spoke to you at Horeb, out of the midst of the fire. Beware, lest you act corruptly by making a carved image for yourselves in the form of any figure, the likeness of any male or female, the likeness of any animal that is on earth, the likeness of any winged bird that flies in the air, the likeness of anything that creeps on the ground, the likeness of any fish that is in the water under earth. The, and, and beware, lest you raise your eyes to the heaven. And when you see the sun and the moon and the stars and all the hosts of heaven... You'll be drawn away and bow down to them and serve them. Things that the Lord your God has allotted to all the peoples under the whole heaven. But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace, out of Egypt, to be the people of his own inheritance as you are this day. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. This passage starts with watch very carefully, and it ends with Jesus, or the Lord, is a jealous God. This word jealous is a very unique word. It only shows up about four or five times in the Old Testament, and it's the word kana, and it means that God will make sure he has no rival. And it also means that God will avenge any departure from himself. And it says, watch very carefully. And the reason why I bring up this passage is because we have a tendency. Maybe you're here this morning, and it's very likely that you haven't carved any images. And you have, have not placed any images in a throne or somewhere in your house and you worship. It's very likely that you haven't done that. But what we do sometimes is that we exalt things, ideas. Thoughts, concepts, things that we use, that we seek, that we want. We, we raise them up. And that's what Scripture calls idolatry. And we raise them to the position that where God should be in our lives. But this is what God is saying in this passage. Nothing looks or is like me. So watch very carefully because it is on purpose that God has not revealed himself in any shape of anything. Because in your life, as you're living it today, right now, there is nothing that can be compared to God. 
There's nothing that can be as great as God is. There's nothing that can measure up to God. He is greater. He is bigger. He is higher. He is the greatest thing that ever exists or will exist. But when we exalt something to the place where God should be in our hearts, inadvertently, we must diminish God, at least our view or perception of God, because nothing can be as great as God. So when we exalt something to the place of God in our hearts, we are automatically belittling God. We are turning God into a concept, an idea, something that's in our minds. And that's why he's saying, no, 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 no. I am greater than anything you can think, than anything that you can form, anything that you can conceive. Don't do that. Don't carve any images, any notion, any idea, because if you do that, you're flipping the order of things. You're, you're submitting yourselves to things that should be submitted to you. You are serving things that should serve you. And today, my encouragement to you is that our worship may be proper and may be ordered and may be pointing to Almighty God and Almighty God alone. Because if there's anything that is making us or causing us to flip that order, it's going to be a mess. It's going to be a mess. So why worship? Right? Why do we worship? Worship causes you to be the likeness of that which you worship. We become what we worship. We become the likeness of what we worship. There's a scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 through 18, and it says this. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the Lord or the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And this is something, this is, this, is, uh, this is teaching, okay? This is a concept that we need to grasp. And if you're new to this, this is for you too. Worship is crucial in the life of a believer, somebody who says they follow Jesus. Because you probably have met people who say they're Christians, but they act nothing like Jesus. And why is that? It's because they are not becoming. They're not being transformed. They're not beholding into his image. And worship, what is worship? Worship is the act of turning to God. What does that passage say? He who turns to the Lord. He who turns to God. And worship is every single act you engage in. It's a practical act. It's not a notion. It's not an idea. It's not a concept. It's not even an activity. It involves an activity, but it's your heart. Your heart turning to God. And the act of turning is worship. And when you take that act, when you take that, that step, that's why God didn't reveal himself in any shape or form. Because when you take that step, he reveals himself to you. For you in that process. So worship is the act of turning, which means this. When you pray in your car, in the morning, in the shower, eating your breakfast, with your own words, and you say, God, let your will be done in my life. Let your will be done and transform my life today. That's worship. Because you are turning to God. When you take your time to join a community like this, and you get in your car and you drive and you say, God, I want, you, I want you to change me today. 
things that are not so right in my life. I want it, I want it to be changed. That's worship. When you open up the scriptures, not just to read through, but when you open up the scriptures and you say, God, speak to me, change me. Let me, let me have this word come alive in my heart. That's worship. Something as simple as singing a song that declares the greatness of God in your, in your life. That's worship. And worship can change your relationship with God from something abstract, from a concept that's in your mind to something that's real because God reveals himself to you through it. And it's an experience, it's an activity that we must engage in if we are to grow and if we are to get to know God. It is through worship that we receive the promise. It is through worship that we live in freedom. And it is through worship that our lives, that our eyes are open. Now, worship is an avenue, right? Worship is the practical element. And we've been declaring that this is the year of miracles. We be we're believing that this will be a year of miracles for your life. Things that you haven't seen, things that you don't know that God, will bring, that God could bring to pass, will come to pass in your life. But really for us, as far as it depends on us, this should be the year of worship. The year where we reach out to God like we've never done before. The year where our hearts are so open to be transformed and to be made into his likeness like we've never done before. The year where every single day we make it a point to say, God, move me, transform me, make me into your image, make me into the person that I'm made to be. Make me into the one that you have created me to be. I don't want to be stuck. I don't want to be in this prison of thinking. I don't want to think negatively anymore. Help me. Change me. Transform me. Turning to God every single day. That is our goal. And that should be our goal this year. We tend to say that people have idols. Right? We tend to say that we have God or we have idols. Or, but the reality is this. Whatever is in the center of your heart has you. Whatever is the most important thing to you, it has you. So here's a question for you. What has you today? What has you? What is the thing, the thought, the pursuit, the thing that you want so badly? If it's not... God in the center of your heart, then that thing that's in there, it has you. And you're not, it's not subject to you, you're subject to it. It's a very simple concept for us to understand. Imagine this, you leave here this morning, you grab lunch or whatever, and then you go to your house, whether you live in an apartment or an actual house, it's your, it's your home. You go in and you don't say, this house has me. You don't say that, right? You say, this is my house. Although you are in it, although it envelops you and you are inside, this is my house. The Apostle Paul uses the same imagery in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16. He says this, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you. What he's saying is this. The moment we decided to have a relationship with God, the moment we have reached out to God, the moment we have turned to the Lord, he makes his dwelling place our heart. That's why 
your values can change and the, 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 the foundation of your life begins to shift. You begin to look at the world differently. And it's not imposed. It simply happens as you reach out to God and as you engage the act of worship. And he's saying, the Spirit of God dwells in you. And that's my desire for you here this morning, that you may realize that God is in you, that, that we are God's temple, that God is not our temple. We are God's temple. In other words, he doesn't house our life. We house his life, which means this. When you leave here this morning and you go home, guess where God is? He's at home with you. When you go to work on Monday, where is, where is God? God is with you. That is his desire, to be in your life and to be with you everywhere you go so that you can not only be blessed, but you can be a blessing to other people around you so you can change and impact your world. And I got to tell you, worship does that. Worship is that important and is that crucial. So we're getting ready to close. I wanted to drop this idea and this thought in your heart that what will activate these things that you are made for these things that you desire, these things that you yearn, these things that you seek, that you want to have a fulfilled life and what will activate your relationship with God and you will change it forever, it's worship. And this is a very important, crucial teaching for every single day life. And my heart is this. If you're here this morning and you're new to this God thing, maybe you're not really a Christian, you believe that there is a God, and you may call it something else, but there is a concept of a God who exists in you. And you have pursuits, you have desires, you have goals, you have things that you want to achieve, things that you want to see your life reach. Let me encourage you to make sure God, God is in the center. And this is what we believe, the way to have a relationship with God is through Jesus Christ. He showed us the way. He showed us how to have an active and living relationship with God. When he was tempted in the desert and the enemy came in and tried to shift things in, your heart, in his heart, try to shift the values and, and try to present him with things in this world, the enemy took him to a pinnacle, to a high point, and said, I'll give you everything here if you bow down and you worship me. See, the enemy is not going to come to you and say, hello, I'm Satan, would you worship me today? Because you would go like, nah, I'm good. Go on now. But what happens is we are tempted in our hour of weakness. We are tempted by our ambitions. We are tempted in the moment where, where our faith is being tested. And the voices we hear is, it's okay. You can compromise your values just now. It's okay. That's where you want to get, right? You're going to get what you want if you lie this one time. You're going to get where, you, where, where, you, where you're desiring to be if you compromise your values this one time. You can just put integrity aside this one time because it's going to get you there. Or when your faith is being tested, the voices say, is it really working? Is it really worth it? Why continue to believe? Just, just give up. Don't continue to believe in that idea, in that thought, in that plan, in that, 
that purpose that got placed in you. No, 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 no. It doesn't work. This thing is all, just keep doing what you're doing. Keep your head down and keep going. He tempts us in our hours, in our hour of weakness. The moment where we feel weak. Jesus was in the desert. He hadn't eaten in 40 days. And the enemy said, tell these rocks to turn into bread. Feed yourself. Aren't you the son of God? Right? In, this, in the same way, sometimes we are tested and pushed. And the whole goal, the whole goal of the enemy, you have to understand this, the whole goal of these negative thoughts is to flip the order of things so that something else can occupy the place that only God is meant to occupy in our hearts. Because when God is at the center, when Jesus is at the center of our lives, everything else comes into order. And he breathes his life into us and he directs us. And sometimes we will have what we need at the time that we need it. If we keep believing, we will reach the promise because he has promised you that he will give you. And you need to keep your faith. Right? He will break the prisons of thinking that have been caused by people. That maybe they're not even in our lives anymore. Maybe the chapter is over, but the thinking, the, the, the hurt, the pain, the scars are still there. When God is at the center, he gives you freedom to break away. Break away from those thoughts and those ideas. And when God is at the center, he gives you prophetic vision to see your life. To see your life not as it is. Not in this present situation that you're in. Not in the hurt and the pain and the circumstance that's pulling you down. But that as it should be. It gives you prophetic vision to see your life as it should be. And the way that God knows and intends your life to be is to be a life that is blessed, that is free, that is reaching for new heights, that is not only at peace with yourself and your loved ones and with God, but a life who is reaching out to bless others. A life who is constantly transforming the world, constantly changing your circumstances, constantly changing the people around you because you are free. That's what God wants us and how God wants us to live. That's what he wants to do in our lives. And the beginning, the source, the primary thing is worship. Because worship puts God where he's meant to be. So what has you this morning? And what is the step that you need to take to make sure you go and you say, God, take your place in my life. I want to encourage you this morning to do that. If you don't mind standing with me as we're getting ready to close.